scripture we're going to be focusing on is Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. It says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every so often, I like to listen to the song, Total Eclipse of the Heart. And I think those first two, two words are just very haunting. Turn around. They're very crucial for the song because they're repeated over and over again. But if you think about it, the words turn around are crucial for the Christian life as well. They are crucial for our life with God. Because it's on Ash Wednesday that we turn around. Ash Wednesday is all about turning around. It's about turning from our sins toward God. And it's about resolving once again to change the direction of our life away from our sins and toward God. The scriptural word for this is called repentance, and that's what it means. It means to turn or to change your mind. It's acknowledging our sin, that yeah, it was wrong, and confessing our sin to God and turning around. Turning around from our sinful ways, our selfishness, our idols that we put ahead of God, and instead turning toward God and his ways. And the truth is, we need to turn around when we first come to faith in Christ. But really, we need to turn around every day. Ash Wednesday is really a once-a-year event reminding us of our need for repentance day by day. It's a reminder of our mortality and our need for the grace that Jesus gave us at the cross, which gives us eternal life beyond death. Because in our lives, we constantly need to be redirected. We often need to turn around. Like children who sometimes get easily distracted from schoolwork or uh, chores, we as humans are easily distracted and enticed away from God and his ways in order to pursue other lesser things. And day by day, then, we must repent. Now, in this passage, God calls the people of Israel to repent. Once again, they have turned away from him and worshipped other gods that aren't gods. They've turned away from the God that created them, that rescued them, that gave them their land, that provided for them in both natural and supernatural ways over and over again. They've turned against their neighbors. They've engaged in all sorts of different sins to the point where God has said, enough is enough. 
and he declares his judgment uh, before this passage in the book of Joel. Now you would think judgment would be the end, end of story, that it's settled, that's what's coming, no going back now. But that's not the case. We read in the first verse of our passage, yet even now, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Even in the midst of God's rightly given judgment for their sin, God calls them to turn around. Even then, it's not too late. And so he calls them to repent and to demonstrate that this change of heart has happened with outward acts of repentance, weeping and mourning over their sin, showing that they're truly sorry for what they have done. Not sorry that they got caught, but because they sinned against God and it was wrong. Giving up food for a time to focus on God and show that he is even more important than pursuing food. And he tells them he doesn't want them to tear their clothes in mourning, as they often did at that time. Rather, he wants their hearts to be broken over their sin so that they will return to him. Now, I say all this to say that until we understand the depths of our sin, we will never understand the heights of God's mercy. Now we know God's call for repentance extends to us as well. We're no different than the people of Israel at that time. We've failed God. We've decided at times that our ways are better than our creators. We've taken advantage of all the things that he's created, but denied his rule and his will. And we fail to give him the worship he deserves. We hurt others, we gossip, we lie, we live with bitterness and unforgiveness, we show favoritism, we fail to honor our parents, envy our neighbors, idolize wealth, looks, time, status, anything. And yet, and yet, despite the things we have done, God calls us to turn to him too. Even in the depths of our sin, he calls us to be forgiven and transformed, given brand new life. Jesus pays for our sin at the cost of his own life so that we can walk forgiven and clean. God's character is the reason that we can repent. Verse 13, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Where do we see the greatest expression of these characteristics of God? But in the cross. God's love is poured out on undeserving people because he is compassionate and merciful and gracious. Instead of leaving us in our sin, instead of abandoning us, instead of pouring out his wrath upon us, he gives his own life to save us. He pays for the sin we couldn't pay for ourselves. 
he pays the greatest cost so that we can be forgiven. Our sins are erased. We're reconciled with God and our broken relationship becomes healed so that we can walk and live our lives with Christ. Because he loves you. Because he loves you and me. Even at our worst. Rebecca McLaughlin writes, when we come to Jesus, we find out two things. One, that we are more sinful than we ever thought. And two, we are more loved than we ever dreamed. The only truly good person who has ever lived knows everything about you. He can read your thought bubbles. He has the right to judge you. But he loves you so much. He was willing to die for you and take that judgment on himself. These are the heights of God's love and mercy. And what wondrous love and mercy it is. And so as we enter the season of Lent, we remember the cost for our sin. We lament over our sins against God. We, we take them seriously. But we also remember the incredible love of God in sending Jesus to pay the cost for our sin. We respond to that love by repenting, by choosing by his strength to turn around. And from there, we need not remain in sorrow and mourning. We can have the greatest joy imaginable knowing that our sins are gone forever in Jesus. Psalm 103, 10 to 14. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a farmer shows compassion, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ash Wednesday is simply a reminder of what we're called to do every day. Every day we fail. Every day we are called to repent and to be forgiven. Every day we find the mercy and forgiveness of Christ and are given the grace to grow. So here's what we're going to do in this next portion of the service. I'm going to play a music video. And as this music video plays, take time to think about your sins, to confess uh, your sins to the Lord in silent prayer. Resolve to turn from them and turn toward God. Ask for his forgiveness. And then thank him and rejoice in him and his love that those sins are erased at the cross at so great a cost. Rejoice in his love for you.